Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact. There. Oh, what a block by Wallace wow. on a jump ball. He's down four, 12, 8, 7, 38 to play the first. Yeah. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Reggie inside for Andre in a dynamite dunk. Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. It's episode 86. Aaron Johnson hosting today and joining me a pair of two great guests. Uh, First, a writer from the website Palace of Pistons, Jacob Rogers, joining me here on the show today. And then a special guest from The Athletic, the Detroit Pistons beat writer for The Athletic, James Edwards, joining us as well. And James, you might hear a little bit uh, of some car, some car noises. James just came from hooping, and he might be, he might have worn a cardigan. It may have also been with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. We don't know the full details yet, uh, but Jacob and James, thanks for joining me here today. Man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I hope the car noises aren't too bad. If they are, I can... Uh, put the phone to my ear, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, well, uh, and then we also got Jacob Rogers here, but we'll we'll hop into the first topic today, and uh, we're going to start with Andre Drummond report a report from Vincent Ellis in an article he wrote about Andre Drummond and a max contract situation. He stated that Drummond feels that he wants a max contract, and he's also reported that he Drummond and his representatives have wanted to have contract uh, extension discussions with the Pistons. Basically, though, it's kind of an interesting situation due to the Pistons' cap sheet and where the rest of the NBA could be uh, next offseason in free agency with there not being too much money to spend and the Pistons themselves not having a ton of free money to give but the question comes down to, considering that situation, should the Pistons be looking to give Andre Drummond a max contract here? And James, I'll start with you. I mean, it's a it's a touchy subject because he has been with the organization for quite some time. Um, he's performed. I mean, he's say what you want about Andre. I know there's uh, different pockets of fans that have different opinions. But, I mean, he was the one guy that kind of represented Detroit during the, their most down years. He went to all-star games. Um, led the league in statistical categories. Like he did a lot for Detroit during a tough time, and uh, I, I could see why they may why they're going to consider it, and why Goris is obviously a uh, a fan of Andres. Uh, do they give him one? I don't think they do. Um, I was there when Andre talked about all players just think they should deserve a max, and he's right. They should. They put in a lot of work and. 
everybody should think they're the best at what they do. And I, I'd be surprised if he gets one from Detroit. Um, and if another team doesn't offer him one and Detroit gives him comparable money, I could see him back in the Pistons uniform. But I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a team or two threw it at him next summer. Your thoughts, Jacob? Um, I mean, I, I'm with James. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if another team threw him a max deal, uh, especially a team that's rebuilding or a team that has a lot of cap room to work with. But my thing with Andre is that he's he's always shown that he's he seems like he's loyal to the Pistons franchise. He's been here for this is what his eighth year now. Um, he, he's clearly shown that he loves it in Detroit. My only fear as a Pistons fan is seeing Andre go to another team and excel even more than he has in Detroit. Um, I know that Detroit can throw him like a five year hundred ninety million dollar max where other teams can only go 140. But I, I honestly don't think that Detroit will end up throwing in the full $190 million deal. Um, and that, that's a risk that, you know, the ownership and the front office has to take. But when it comes down to it, Detroit is cap-strapped. I mean, next year, barring say Andre does for some reason take his player option Detroit is still looking at 63 million dollars in cap holds between guys like Reggie Jackson and Langston Galloway and Thon Maker like they got to figure out what to do with all those guys um my only thing is I don't want Andre to get a big deal and then his game declines I think it's I think it's something that really kind of is going to be determined by how the season plays out. I think if the Pistons struggle, and, and whether it's Andre's fault or not, if the Pistons struggle, are they going to want to run it back with the same style of roster with the, you know, the two bigs, Blake's still under contract, and then if they re-up on Drummond, they'd still be building through two bigs, and a, a re-signing of Drummond would continue to put their cap space at two positions in the NBA that... I think nowadays are the least trendiest. Teams are going more and more for cheaper center options, and the game is really played by your point. You know, the stars in the league are the point guards, the shooting guards, the small forwards. And yes, there are some star centers, but the star centers in the league today aren't the same kind of center that Andre Drummond is. Drummond's a down low guy, rim runner, uh, garbage, garbage who pick guy. Meanwhile, your Jokic's, uh, your Embiid's, those are guys that kind of do it all everywhere on the floor and, and are multifaceted in that, that standpoint. But for, for me, I don't know if I would feel comfortable if the Pistons gave him the max just seeing how their money has been tied up for so long. Do they want to continue to tie it up there? or you know, Do they want to try to maneuver money so that they're able to go get a star point guard or a big name guard. Can they even do that? Will that even be an option for them? There's so many questions that that have to play out for that to even be a possibility. But the way that Drummond does get a max or should get a max is if he plays at the level that he did play at in the second half of last season. Right when he came back from, uh, I believe it was con a concussion. I can't remember what team he picked it up against. But once he came back from that injury, he was just a different player. And he definitely struggled in the playoffs, and that was very uh, easy to see. 
But during that second stretch of the regular season, he was a completely different player and, and definitely looked like a max contract level guy. So if he's that good for a full season, I'm not sure you can turn him away. But I know, James, you mentioned you could see a couple teams throwing a max contract at him. Does any team come to mind right now, or do you just think there will be a team eventually that uh, wants to give that money to Drummond? I mean, a team that comes to mind is, uh, off the top of my head, is New York. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've had interest in Andre before. Um, I think that they're trying to build a playoff contender. Um, obviously, this year they tried to piece together a, a, a team to the best of their abilities after striking and missing out on some guys, and but they gave them all short-term deals. So there's money there. Um, if they see Andre as a guy that they could possibly build around, I, I don't want to say build around, but at least solidify that center position as they try to um, turn the corner as an organization, that's a possibility. Um, I'd say that's a team that comes to mind. Again, I think there are some teams that are maybe closer to competing for a title that, that could use Drummond services, but I'm not sure if they can or are willing to throw the kind of money he'll he'll get, even if it's not a max to get him. Um, but, I mean, a team like New York comes to mind when, when you ask me that. I think uh, you, one thing I want to ask you, James, is I, I talked to Aaron about this about 10 minutes ago. Say Detroit's season this year doesn't go how it, how everybody thinks it's going to go, um, and Andre's still committing that kind of money. Would you, or could you see Detroit possibly moving on from Blake and trading him elsewhere, and then giving Andre a bigger deal? Because what comes to my mind is that Blake after his contract's up and is he's eligible for an extension. He'll be 33 years old and he's probably going to be looking at something like a deal that Chris Paul has. I don't, I don't know if the Pistons want to deal with having a guy that's 34, 35, making $40 million a year. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I think it makes logical sense. If Detroit gets to the all-star break and they're, Barely in the playoff picture, say eight seed, seven seed, maybe only a game out from being out of the playoffs, or they're out of the playoffs altogether with what many believe is the easiest schedule in the NBA from the start of the season to the All Star break. To me, it's logical to then pivot, start the rebuild there because clearly things aren't working and they're not going to work, and you might as well try to get your bang for your buck while you can. Now, on the other hand, the only thing that's really out of come out that's come out of Pistons camp, whether it be owner Tom Gore as the front office, is they want to build a winner. They want to build a culture. So to me, even if things go south, I'm not sure that they are going to do that just based off the fact that I don't know if they'll be able to build a better team quickly. Um, so it's interesting. If it gets to that point, I'm, I'm really, really interested to see how they start talking about the future and the present. Um, but right now, I, I really do believe that they have no interest in rebuilding. Of course, they could be blowing smoke, and they know right now that if things don't go well by the, the deadline, that they're going to shift gears. But from all I've been told, and they've said publicly, that's not the plan. But I think logically, if they're not good by the deadline, why would you continue yeah. with that roster and not try to capitalize on any assets you can get? 
Well, moving on to a player that has certainly sparked some interest uh, over the first two preseason games for Detroit and definitely sparked interest when he signed with the team over the offseason. Derek Rose has looked very good in the first two games of the preseason with Detroit. Just looking at his statistics, 14 points, uh, 4.5 assists, 2.5 rebounds, and the stats don't really matter in preseason. It's more about just the feel of how they're playing. And with that second unit, it's comparable to Ish Smith with his fast style of play and his high energy. But that second unit, based, you know, based off of Rose's uh, floor running and floor general, I don't even know what I'm saying right now, actually. But he's, he's, I can't even put together the words. But the way Derrick Rose has played, he's looked very strong. And yes, it's helped that he's had Luke Kennard alongside him. But Derrick Rose has sparked a lot of interest with the team, and he's looked good. He's backing it up. Does that bring a little bit of a ceiling raiser to the Pistons season with the way that he's played? Yeah. For Derrick, I thought he was really, really good last night. Um, In game one, I thought he was okay. I I didn't think he was uh, – I I think part of it was it was his first game in Detroit. Um, He wanted to kind of show the fans that he's arrived, and I thought he kind of – was a little too active early, um, took some tough shots, rushed into some shots, rushed the offense a little bit. Uh, but last night I thought he was really good. He found his legs. He was composed when attacking the hoop. Um, I want to see a couple more opponents because against Orlando, when I thought he struggled, that's a very long team. Um, and he struggled early on to get his shot off. Um, but against Dallas, who's not quite as long in that second unit, uh, obviously aside from Boban, but he's, I mean, he's not quick enough once Rose gets past him that he can get that. He, he did well. But I think last night showed what Pistons fans wanted to see from Derrick Rose. There's an explosiveness there. There's some excitement there. Um, there's a guy that can go get you a bucket, which the Pistons have very few of um, and had very few of last year. Um, so far, he's checked the boxes. He's come as advertised. Uh, but the big question with Derrick, again, is can you count on Derrick to be that throughout the course of an 82-game season? And you really can't tell until the season comes, until midway through the season Derek could play out of his mind for a month and a half, two months. And if, if he's injured, then I think it really hurts Detroit moving forward. So I think you're seeing the right things from Derrick Rose. Um, but again, the big thing with Derrick Rose is making it through a, a 82 game season. Yeah. From what, from what I saw, uh, I, I totally agree with you, James, you know, like you said, in the first game, he kind of rushed his shots and rushed his sets. And I think he didn't really look like he was running with the offense fluently, even though he even came out and said, you know, the coaching staff is letting me just go out and run, and that's the way I like to play. But last night, he he looked like a completely different player. Everything he did just seemed a lot smoother, you know, even when he got into the pick and roll and he was running sets with Luke and all that stuff. I think just looked really, really smooth. But what I think I like the most out of Derek compared to Ish is that, like you said, Derek is a bucket getter. Um, last year, especially last year and late last year, Ish looked very, very tentative when he was attacking the basket. Um, he'd, he'd go in and you'd see him just kind of backpedal back out or try to set the offense or get a trailer or something where Rose, if, if he knows he has a shot and he can take it, he's going to take it. Um, and that, that, that's something that Detroit's needed. I mean, um, you even saw last night when they ran the quote-unquote, what people are calling it, the death lineup, where it was him, Reggie, Luke, Blake, and Dre. 
he was running out there and even finding Reggie for open shots. Reggie was almost playing a shooting guard. And it, it actually helped, I think, helped uh, solidify that Reggie still has some game in there, especially how he came out uh, the first the first game and then the first half of yesterday. I think it's interesting to look at the Pistons bench and with Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard, even though I've been a firm believer that Luke Kennard belonged in the starting lineup, but with him coming off the bench with Derrick Rose, I think in the first game you kind of saw, you guys mentioned Derrick Rose trying to assert himself. You kind of saw Luke Kennard take uh, a backhand seat to that, and he didn't get up as many shots as you would like. But then in game two, Rose settled in. Kennard was put in a better position to succeed. He was a little bit more aggressive finding his shot. I mean, you talk about that step-back three-pointer he had uh, in the second half where he, he was just in that groove. He led the team in scoring with 19 points. But Rose and Kennard together in that second unit projects to be pretty good. And yeah. even though Detroit has some stuff to figure out with the rest of their second unit, I think Markeith Morris is a safe bet at, at the backup four spot. But whether it's going to be Langston Galloway or Svima Hailuk getting those other wing minutes, is Christian Wood going to make the roster? Uh, is he going to get those backup five minutes or will Thon Maker get them? But even while they try to figure out those questions with Rose and Kennard and, and Markeith Morris, that bench is looking pretty good. And, and is it feasible to, to feel that they could – have one of the best benches in the league next year, or this year now. I mean, the season with the season here now, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility. Uh, like you said, Rose and Kennard together. I mean, that could bring you thirty plus points a night just between those two. Um, the big thing is the holes in that second unit. Like you said, um, and, uh, there's going to be staples in the second unit. That's going to be Derrick Rose, Luke Kennard, and Marquise Morris. Um, the the other swingman spot and the center spot, I think, are going to be based off feel, based off kind of rhythm. I don't think Dwayne is settled into it's going to be Langston every night getting those minutes or it's going to be Thawne getting those minutes every night. I think they're going to get the first crack at it. Uh, but if they struggle in the first half or struggle for a series of games, I think Spee's going to get a chance. And if he can take that step where he can be an effective, maybe get you six points a game, eight points a game, something, shoot – high 30s from three, I think that helps. And then whatever you get from the center position is key. I mean, it looks like Christian Wood is just active whenever he's on the floor. He obviously um, is a work in progress. He struggles guarding bigger, or I'm sorry, uh, bigger bigs that can shoot from the perimeter. Um, he's not a great screen setter, so he, those are some things he has to sure up. But, I mean, there, there's possibility there. There's a lot of unknown there. Um, and even unknown with Derrick Rose, again, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, but th there is there's something to get excited about with that second unit uh, because of Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard and what they've shown so far. I definitely think, you know, pivoting off of what James said, you know, uh, Derrick, Luke, and Marquise are definitely staples in there. But bench-wise, I think this is one of the deepest benches Detroit's had in a few years. Um, I mean, you look behind Derrick Rose, you're – third-string point guard, Tim Frazier, but even though he's played some garbage in these first two preseason games, Frazier's looked, I mean, pretty decent for especially a third-string point guard. He's gone out there. He's He's been quick. He's ran the offense. He's played some tight D. He's fought, been able to find teammates in his limited minutes. But th this team is just a lot deeper than I have seen in the past couple of years. And I think, for me, that's what's most exciting about that bench unit is just how much deeper it can be um, compared to what we've seen in the past where 
you know, Coach Casey or at the time Van Gundy only had three, four guys he can go to every night off the bench where now if one guy's not playing well, next man up, there's somebody else I can fill that void. And uh, I think that's what's really, really exciting about that bench unit. I'll, just to add to that, I do think that there there's potential to be a deep bench. I think the thing is, though, no one really knows if that bench can be deep. I, I yeah. know people are excited about Spee, but Spee, I mean, if he wants the Linkson job, it's there to go take, and he has He has improved himself. Yeah. Um, Don and Christian, the, the, Christian's been exciting, but he has to prove himself. I thought Don played better than he did last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then behind that, Kyrie, I mean, he's not getting many minutes. So there's whatever happens behind closed doors is obviously not enough for Dwayne to play. It's, I think there's a chance for that bench to be really, really good and surprise some people. But those young guys really got to kind of step up. And I, I think that's kind of been the, the underlying story all offseason. I think Detroit, obviously, with their signings improved. But they were going to really take that next step if those young guys kind of came out of nowhere and, and improved. Whether it was Bruce come back and add something to the offense, whether it was Fee come and become a, another sharpshooter off the bench, or, or if that was Kyrie. Um, I, I think that's what can take them over the top is kind of a surprise from one of those second-year guys. I think for me, you know, watching, um, you, you know, talking about if Bruce was able to add anything offensively in these first couple of games, he hasn't, and he hasn't looked like he's added much to his game, um, especially shooting the ball wise. He hasn't looked like he's uh, really comfortable with the shot yet. As last night, he passed a wide open three, and Blake and Casey both kind of lit him up a little bit, like you got to shoot that. But, um, I think the one thing I like seeing out of Bruce on the offensive end is that he's more willing to attack the attack the cup now. You know, you saw the past couple of games he's been going to the rim a lot more and finishing strong, but at the same time he's had a couple of those plays where he's looked like Bruce from last year where he goes to the cup and just kind of throws it up and ends up being, you know, four on three or five on four break or something. Um, but I, like you said, James, I definitely think that bench has potential to be deep. I mean, I, I know I said that they, I think that they're the deepest bench that we've had in a while, but like you said, it's more of a potential thing than anything. Yeah, I think that I think that growth with Bruce is a lot of people talked about, myself included, how he needed to grow his his outside shot over the off season. But the other underrated aspect of his game that needed to improve was his ability to take it inside and finish inside against contact, uh, against length. And maybe he's not shooting the ball. He's not hunting for shots from outside so far, but he does show a little bit more confidence going inside, whether he's, you know, eventually giving it off. He had that nice lob to Dre against Dallas in transition, or he's going up himself. He's athletic enough and he has a strong enough body that, as long as he's working on his touch at the rim, he has the athleticism to finish and finish well inside. So that's that other key area of his offensive game that needs to improve while his shooting does most definitely, but his finishing also needs to grow as well. So maybe we won't see a Bruce that's going to shoot, you know, low mid thirties from the three point line this year. But I think you're going to see a little bit more of an aggressive Bruce driving inside, and that'll create opportunities on the outside for your Tony Snells, if you're, you know, your Luke Kennard, your Langston Galloways, those spot-up shooters, Reggie Jackson. Those kind of guys will get more looks with Bruce Brown being able to confidently drive and kick or finish at the rim. But moving on from talking about the young guys for a few minutes, we'll, few minutes, we'll talk about the oldest guy on the roster as of now, Joe Johnson. And 
James, this is probably a question that you'll be able to answer just because you're around the team pretty much on a daily basis. But from talking early on at, at media day where it was Blake, Andre, I think Derek Rose talked third, and then Joe Johnson talked fourth, it, it, and the way the team has talked about him, it just seems like Joe Johnson, at least from the outside looking in, is a lock to make the roster. And with him being on a non-guaranteed deal and, and the way that Christian Wood has played, that's kind of a, a an interesting situation because I think a lot of people, myself included, feel that the Pistons need depth at the center spot, but they can't keep Christian Wood if they keep Joe Johnson on the roster unless they make an, a, another move. So Joe Johnson, what's the, what's the deal with him? Is he is he a lock to make the team or is it still a competition? Yeah, I'm 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 torn on that. Um I see it two ways. Uh Joe is a, a veteran presence. Joe is a guy that commands respect in the locker room. Joe's a guy that's been through big games. Joe is a professional through and through. And I personally have no issue um, if you want to use the 15th roster spot on that kind of guy. I think that's important as somebody who's played sports, having a locker room um, where everybody gets along, um, where the morale is high, where, where somebody can kind of temper expectations and, or even boost you when you're down. I, I, I really find importance in that. And if you want to use your 15th roster spot on that, I, I have no knock against it. On the other hand, like you said, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Don is the answer at backup center, um, and I think Christian Wood has the potential to be the the answer. I'm not going to say he is because it's been two preseason games. One he's looked really really good, and one he's looked okay. Um, but again, I, I do think there's potential there, and it's worth to me keeping him and finding out if there is instead of letting him go somewhere else, especially with Andre's contract situation coming up. You just never know. You could have a low-cost center that that has a high upside. You just never know. Um, so I'm torn on that. I don't know what's exactly going to play out. I'm interested. I, I still, in the back of my head, think that maybe they they deal Kyrie. Again, this is not sourced. This is not anything. This is just my opinion. Maybe they deal Kyrie because there is a log jam on the perimeter and he hasn't beat out Langston or Sphi, it seems like. So that way you can keep the veteran presence and a little bit of depth up front. <laughs> excuse me, and still not, <laughs> excuse me, and still not really hurt your team um, in that regard. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I, I I don't right now. It's really hard to tell. I think the 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 question the Pistons have to weigh is: Do they trust Thon Maker enough? Because if they trust Thon and, and they feel that they can slide Markeith up to the five, then I guess they don't need Christian Wood but the the way that Wood has played and I think he was he was great in the first game of the preseason I still thought he was pretty good uh against Dallas he did make some defensive lapses but overall found his way to contribute does a nice job rebounding ran a nice uh four or five pick and roll with Blake Griffin he just finds ways to make plays and everywhere he's gone he's put up numbers he's dominated in the G League last year with the Pelicans he put up really good numbers um, it, 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 in the end of the season stretch he spent with them, he just finds his way onto the stat sheet. And it, he's popped off the screen in the first two games of the preseason. But if they trust Don enough and Don had a good second game against Dallas and they feel Markeith is 
capable to slide up to the five, then maybe they don't need Christian Wood. But I think you also need to see something from Joe Johnson too, because he's been out of the league now for for a couple years, and you you got to watch him in the big three. But the NBA's, I mean, we all know it's just a different level of competition. The athleticism, the speed, the talent—it's just all higher at that level. And again, you can't judge preseason. You can't make the most of it. It's not something that you can really. It's not a surefire answer, but you'd like to see something from Joe Johnson, and he didn't. Uh, he only played eight minutes in the first game, didn't really do too much there, didn't play in the second game. That's what kind of makes me feel like he's kind of got a guaranteed roster spot. If the Pistons aren't too worried about getting him out there in preseason and seeing what he can do, just going along with the way that they've talked about him, it just feels like he's on. He's going to be on the team, which means, personally, I feel that the Pistons should be looking to, to make a roster move, whether it's trading Kyrie Thomas or trading Langston Galloway, finding a way to open up a roster spot so that they're able to keep Christian Wood because I don't know how much I trust Don Maker. Uh, you know, last year he came onto the team, played decently, but then in the playoffs had his struggles. He certainly still is lacking strength. We'll see about the ball control. He has trouble catching, catching passes down low and finishing inside. And then in the playoffs last year, his foul, his foul issues not being able to handle the size, the speed. A guy like Christian Wood, just with the way that he's played, has been a refreshing, uh, a refreshing look at the backup center spot that just struggled for the Pistons last year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think the thing is, though, with Joe, is if they keep him, it's strictly locker room presence. I don't, it's not... It's not going to be because he can contribute on the court. I, in his, the preseason game, the, the scrimmage, the game seems a little too fast for him um, right now. And he still has those ISO Joe tendencies. I'm not sure he can get his shot off like he used to. Um, so I, it, it's tough. It, they're going to have to weigh locker room presence versus potential versus team need versus, like you said, and I said uh, – making a roster move to make sure you to see if you can accommodate all those things. Yeah. And like, like both of you guys are saying, um, with Joe Johnson being a locker room presence, what he reminds me of a lot of is, uh, when Cleveland brought in Kendrick Perkins a few years ago during the tour, the end of LeBron's, uh, second reign in Cleveland, you know, they brought in Perkins. He was in the G league, not really doing much, but they brought him in the locker room because they knew he could be that kind of, you know, uh, locker room presence that they needed, that that tenacity, that the guy that will is not afraid, not afraid to get in your face and tell you what's up. Um, I think Joe Johnson could kind of be that guy for Detroit. Um, and like you said, James, I, it's starting to feel like he does almost have that guaranteed spot due to that locker room presence. Um, I really do personally like the idea of moving on from Kyrie Thomas. I like Kyrie Thomas. I think he has a lot of potential in this, in this league, but based off of what I've seen and the log jam on the wings, I think it's time to move on from him or, you know, like Aaron said, move on from Lakes and Galloway and try to create some cap space. But uh, it's definitely going to be interesting in these next couple of weeks to see what Detroit ends up doing with that 15th and final roster spot. Well, let's move into the final topic of today's show. Let's just get one observation from from each person here. One other observation from preseason, and Jacob, I'll start with you first. Oh man, um, one observation I really have 
is how much that bench unit's already seemed to gel pretty well. Um, uh, you know, like you said, with Luke and Derek and Markeith, it's just seemed like Rose is getting uh, a lot of control and transition and moving the ball um, where, where it's supposed to be, whether that's him taking a shot, whether it's him getting a trailer with Marquis for finding Luke to create his own shot. It, it just seems like that um, that whole entire group has started to gel, at least those three. Um, but if there's one other thing that I've noticed that we haven't really talked about is how well Tony Snell already kind of fits with that starting group. Um, Detroit clearly needed someone that could play 3 and D um, with Bruce's inabilities to create for himself on the offensive end. Last year, you know, it, we really didn't have that third or fourth scoring option behind Blake and Andre. I mean, Reggie was there at times, but we didn't really have that quality fourth option. It's, it seems like Tony Snell's found his way to people kind of forget about him. He's been in the corner. He's shooting those threes. I mean, not all of them go, are going in, but it, it's preseason. What do you expect? These guys are still pretty rusty. But I think that Tony Snell could potentially have a pretty good year in Detroit this year. Um and being a, it's his third team in his career and his third Central Division team, I think that Detroit could end up being the fit for him. James, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Tony Snell's kind of fitting seamlessly. He's very similar in style to Reggie and Wayne, um, so you knew that would help, but then he has the size of an actual small forward. So they went and got what they needed um, at a low cost, and I, I think he fits right in. I, I mean, to me, it's, it's the shots Luke's taking. Um, he's clearly being more aggressive. He's clearly more confident. Um, he shot some shots already in the preseason that I just don't think he would have really shot that often last year. Mm -hmm. A guy like a couple inches away from him, deep behind the three, like he's, he's letting it fly. Um, and I, that's what everybody wanted to see. Um, and for him to kind of start off the preseason that way, sending a message that he's going to shoot his shots, I think is not only key for him, uh, but it's key for his teammates to let him know, to let it's kind of sending a message like, give me the ball. You guys can count on me to shoot those shots this year. Um, and it's kind of the progression um, that, that that was really needed for this team because they, they, they were in need of a score. Um, they got it in Derek, but they could use another one. And Luke was the guy, the internal growth that they really needed. And he's, he started on the right foot. I think mine is going to be Andre Drummond's uh, development. Something that I've liked from Drummond in the first two games of the preseason, certainly his hustle. He had a really nice game against Dallas, but the way he was kicking out out of the post, that's certainly a development that uh, people have been asking uh, of Drummond, and he showed that, and it's, it led to a plethora of open three-point shot opportunities for the Pistons. And when you have those guys on the court, Kennard, Galloway, Jackson, those kind of guys that can knock down those corner threes and Drummond's kicking out to them, that's just going to put more points up on the board uh, for the Pistons. And Instead of Drummond getting that offensive rebound, falling away from the basket on a tough shot and, and not coming away with any points, him giving that opportunity to go to a reliable three-point shooter who tends to be open because the defense has to all crater down low to try to secure a rebound before Drummond can, it's going to give the Pistons a, a way to put more points up on the board. But, uh, but that's going to wrap it up for us today. But before we go, first off, I want to thank uh, Jacob and James for joining me today. 
James, give us your plug of The Athletic because certainly people need to subscribe to the journalism that's going on there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, if you're into kind of – you're, I always pitch it like this. If you're a hardcore sports fan, um, sports consumes your life, The Athletic's for you. Uh, deep dives, uh, unique features. We set out to kind of be different. Uh, I think it allows for – all the beat writers to kind of have their own space. It gives everybody a reason to kind of read all of us. But I think with the athletic, what you're getting is kind of that out of the box um, story you didn't know you needed, or just we, we have a little bit more time to do things. So different observations and things like that. It's just a different approach to sports uh, journalism. And if, if you're a diehard sports fan, I, I, I don't think you'll dislike it by any means. All right. And I want to also give, a shout-out to my usual co-host, Brennan Johnson, who hosts the show, and Ryan Pay. Ryan's sick. Brennan uh, stuck at work. But Brennan usually hosts a show. I had to step in tonight and do it, and I found myself tripping up on my words far too many times. So I think I need to give him a little bit of credit for the job he does on a weekly basis. So uh, miss you guys, but we were able to hold down and do a great show tonight with James Edwards of The Athletic. You can... Uh, follow him on Twitter at JL Edwards, uh, III, for standing for the third. And then you can follow uh, Jacob Rogers, the Palace Pistons writer, at J Rogers NBA on Twitter. You can follow myself at A Johnson NBA. You can follow Palace of Pistons on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. Make sure to subscribe to The Athletic. Make sure to subscribe to the Palace of Pistons YouTube page or wherever you're listening uh, to the Palace of Pistons podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever it may be. But uh, James and Jacob, again, thanks so much for tuning in uh, for today's show. And thank you to our listeners of the show. We'll see you guys next week here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.